Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, Trustworthy and Ethical AI with special guest Gretchen Stewart, Chief Data Scientist of Public Sector at Intel. Gretchen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Darren. I am so excited to be back. And we are definitely going to have a conversation on something that's very timely today. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, normally I would say, Gretchen, introduce yourself. Everyone should know you. And if you don't, you got to go back and listen to Gretchen's um, previous podcast. Uh, very well done. She is our AI expert on the uh, CTO office team. Uh, which we're glad Gretchen, Gretchen's with us um, on that team because we do need someone, especially now ChatGPT has just taken the world by storm and caused so many ethical um, issues that we got to deal with. So Gretchen, please straighten us out. Do I still have a job or did ChatGPT just take my job? No, you know, I, I'm excited about ChatGPT. It it offers us the ability to really have that combination of human and machine. And it's gonna take away some of the things that we do, but they are boring kinds of things that I hate to do. Some administrivia stuff. And even in some cases, I have to admit, I haven't been uh, putting fingers to keyboard as often as I used to. You and I joke about that periodically. Yeah, yeah, we Is do. that now I can go to chat GPT and say, all right, Python, I'd like to do a Python code to do A, B, and C. And um, it's pretty good. And so I don't have to think, oh, gosh, do I remember how to do that? It's been a or, while. Or we were go go find it on yes, uh, Stack Overflow yes. or find a book. And yeah, exactly. exactly. Or did I already do that and it's in my GitHub or something like that? So, yeah, it's one of those things that's it's I think it's going to be really exciting. I honestly was at an um, event about a week ago at um, a museum. And people were talking about leveraging chat GPT as a way to expand ideas around art. And that when you start to think about, you know, there are people who have absolutely brilliant capabilities, but sometimes they might be stuck and leveraging something like chat GPT to say, I'm thinking about this medium and these are kind of my ideas and it might spur on some even better well, better ideas about. about designing and developing some really interesting art. Yeah, I never thought about that. I mean, just recently, I took my family uh, for spring break. My daughter's graduated from high school. So last fa last family trip, right, with, with the younger kids. Um, and we went to Italy. And I thought it was very fascinating. And, and this is in context of chat G GPT. It was banned in Italy um, because of uh, privacy concerns. And then as we were going through um, several different um, museums, art museums, it was fascinating to listen to the tour guides talking because each tour guide had a different story for the same piece of art. And I was like, wait, what's the truth here? In one room, <laughs> it was funny. I was like, whoa, yeah. what's going on? It was yeah. the map room in, in the Vatican Museum. Uh, beautiful maps all along the walls of Italy. And... Our tour guide said it took 10 years to do this. And the tour guide next to us, as I was listening to her talking, said, oh, it took two years and 100 artists to do it. And I'm like, what's the truth, right? And 
us as tourists, we're like, sure, my tour guide knows everything. But then you step in and you say, well, ChatGPT could really tell me because it has consumed all that data. And I think it'd be interesting. Maybe it would say, well, it's controversial on how much time it really took. I don't know. Yeah. So well, and, and think about it. If you're in research or, you know, if you're a lawyer um, and you are looking for, you know, you normally go into, you know, Westlaw and and find information. Now all of this plus more is in chat GPT. So there could be a way for a lot of people to get better information faster because you could never research through all the information that's in, in chat GPT. So but, that brings up a good I, question. But I think we also really need to remember that, you know, AI has gone wrong in the past. And so it's really critical for us to think about, you know, we think about the algorithm challenges around perpetuating discri discrimination or when Microsoft released Tay as the AI chatbot and how that crashed and became within quite 24, in yeah, 24, 24 hours. hours right? yeah. <laughs> so, so I think, you know, some of the let's put this on hold, you know, I think, you know, truthfully, the cat's already out of the bag, so to speak. Um, but I think there's ways to use this and, and being a data scientist to me, it just means there'll be more people who are thinking about it from a very diverse and a, and a trust and an ethics perspective. And, and that's really important. And, and this is going to force more people to think critically and have those kind of conversations to ensure, to your earlier point, how accurate is this? And is this a good bit of information that then needs to be connected with the expertise that the people have that are all part of the team you're working on? It reminds me, Gretchen, of the internet in the, in the 90s, late 90s, right? Because yes. It, yes. this was the same conversation we were having then. The internet is full of all this in, information. And I remember I, I, I did some seminars on the internet uh, at, uh, at some uh, local universities because I was an early adopter. And they were asking me about it. Yeah. And people said, well, the internet, how do I know the information on the internet is correct? Right. And I think we have to ask that same question today. How do yeah. I know the information I'm getting out of ChatGPT is correct? Exactly. Right? Exactly. And and can you correlate and, and correspond and, again, use critical thinking? I mean, e even at Intel, we have a responsible AI council. And this is a group of people... And, and I'm lucky enough to sit on it, that really has a global review and scope. And there's lots of data that comes to us, but we also have folks who have a standards lens or a legal lens or an HR lens that are really looking at not only what are we doing internally, but how are we working with our external partners? And I think what's most critical for people is to build it into the process of any kind of development, even if it's just using chat GPT, that data is part of a process that you're working on. So make sure that when you're thinking about this, that you don't bolt on the idea around ethics and having a diverse team. Um, I think if there's one thing that I learned, you know, in school as, as a math major, you either got the right answer or the wrong answer. And then when I started to spend more time and look at those, you know, push the envelope kind of math designs in linear algebra and finite math and things like that, it really became clear to me that you need a full 
group of very diverse people who are coming at it so that you end up with the best answer and think about not bolting that on to kind of the end of what you're doing, but that really it's a journey and there's not an endpoint. And chat GPT three or chat GPT four or 28 um, will be ones that we'll be able to leverage and use. But I don't think we're ever going to turn into cyborgs and well, we're, you know, someone's going to replace me physically. Well, <laughs> and, and that I mean? was, that was the same fears when the internet was going wild, yeah. right? And yeah. it does change economies. Absolutely. Yes. It changes yes. things. I want to, I want to touch on this diversity um, aspect. Should we have diverse AIs as well? Because we all know AIs are biased, period. Yes. They, they are biased. Yes. Right. Um, yes. So should I have a chat GPT and what um, Google's is bar, a bard, right? Mm -hmm. um, if they were trained with, with even the same data sets, but with different biases kind of built in because there are biases. That, that's just absolutely. Absolutely. Well, think about chat. Would it make sense to have two, you know, yeah. uh, give me answers back? Well, yes. And, and I think that that's um, part of the reason when people are designing their models, lots of times they are looking at, okay, I think linear regression would be a good thing for this, but I also know that I should be thinking about leveraging maybe gradient boost or some other algorithm and they weight them differently to come up with better and more accurate and, and potentially less biased um, data. But the truth is, as you said, I mean, chat GPT is based on information that's around the world that's fed in, whether it be um, social or things that are coming from the Library of Congress or wherever all this information is coming from, it by, by default is biased because it's designed by biased people. And yeah, we're all well, biased. Well, and it was also <laughs> filtered it, too, right? right because if right. you remember the first chat GPT or it was even two was, 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 um, filthy, right? It, it was right. Because yeah. they just scoured everything on the internet. Well, there's a lot of really garbage on, on the uh, internet, yeah. right? So, so yeah. they had people and I can't remember which country was it in, was it in the Philippines or Nigeria? They, they had large amounts of people filtering data, right? They had criteria and said, go, go um, label this data as, you know, we don't want it. So obviously there's some, not, not even in the algorithms, but in the data that we feed it and the data we decide to feed it presents um, um, some level of trustworthiness, right? Exactly. Whether good or bad, there is a level yeah. of trustworthiness there. Yeah, yeah. And when, I mean, we're looking at it from all of these different senses. We're looking at it from visual sense, an auditory sense, a kinetic kind of, I mean, so we look at things from a whole bunch of different senses that the computer doesn't have, despite the fact that everyone says, oh, it's, it's human or it's, it's, um, it's sentient. as intelligent as a human yeah. and sentient. And, and it's, and it's not, I mean, these are machines that have huge capability and we are able to help design the systems to get to better answers, but it still is Gazinda's Gazauda kind of thing. It's not the, oh, okay, so I am also comparing, I'm, I'm connecting that with a different 
information loop that I might have had or a different sense that I might have had because I went to Africa or whatever it might be that you just have different things that you bring into it. And that's why I think it's not an either or it's a both, you know, and I think that it's also really important for us to realize that we're not finished. You know, this is the beginning of the conversation that's going to continue to go on and there will be more and more things that we will not have to do. I mean, case in point in that um, session I was talking to you about where um, an artist and his wife, um, she happens to be a PhD in um, psychology. Um, The two of them were on the panel and they talked about how their son, who I think is probably in the third or fourth grade, doesn't even know how to sign his own name. And everyone was, how horrible. And it's like, he doesn't need to do that. You know, you use Venmo, you, you do all of these things where it's digital signing, et cetera. So you just scribble whatever it is. And he doesn't really know cursive. That's, you know, does he really need to? I mean, it makes you start to think about those assumptions that you've been brought up with or that you have that, hey, you know, truthfully, that might not be as relevant these days. Do you so, really need to know how to write something in cursive? So, so what, you, what you're telling me, people that have a hard time with change are going to have a really hard time <laughs> over the next couple of years because yeah. this is fundamentally going to change a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. And as people have talked for years, you know, about the fourth industrial revolution, we're in the middle of it. And yeah. I think that for, I think there's a lot we can learn from history in terms of, how to better move people through this, but this is moving so quickly. It's like, it's, it's sort of like that f- funny t-shirt I saw one day, you know, if, if you want to be on the porch, you got to play with the big dogs. It's sort of like, you got to jump on and pay attention to this. But at the same time, with a certain amount of skepticism and the thought process of, am I working with other people to really think about and that you have the obligation to raise ethical questions and concerns that are coming from the the information. So, so is that why the pause? Is that why all the, well, it wasn't all the leaders. But no, Chad, I was going to say, I, I, this, is, this is where I'm going to show my feminist side, but it was interesting that all the pause came from people of one sex and for the most part, oh. one color. I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't even, it, that didn't even hit my, hit my radar. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, Elon Musk and Woz, Wozniak and others. And, and granted, I, I hear what they were saying, but literally um, not to slam Elon Musk, but two or three days after it talked about how much money he just invested in a chat GPT like company. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I thought it was you kind be, of. You have to be suspect. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I was thinking the same thing a little bit, Gretchen, but not with Elon, but with the CEO of OpenAI. Yes. When, yes. when he said, let's put a pause on things now that I've released um, chat um, or GPT-4. Nothing yes. should go beyond G- GPT-4. And I'm right. like, you know what? You sound very insincere, right? And And it might be, I'm afraid that some of my competitors are going to catch up. That's what it sounded like to me. There is a real concern, though, right? Is there not? Yeah. Otherwise, because what a thousand people signed it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people that signed it. And I think part of it is 
that um, just as they're wanting us not to think it through, I think that people are smarter than that and that they really are or should not assume that that is a 100% answer, you know, that it's not completely accurate, you know, and, and, and the truth is we owe it to the society to really think about what are those ethical questions? Are we respecting human rights based on this information? Have we really had the right human team oversight with all of that data? Are we able to explain it? And if you can't explain it, then you have to be suspect too. Like, where does all this data really come from, from chat GPT? So, so what you're you know saying what I mean? is, yeah, I, I, I get it. We need to teach the world that, hey, chat GPT is, is an aggregator of data and a disseminator yes. of ideas, right? Yes. But it is fed by data that is two years old, first off. Yes, and yes. And because I put in there and something flawed. interesting, yeah. <laughs> and flawed, <laughs> and flawed. But but let's take let, let let's talk about our uh, upcoming generation because I've got three teenagers at home right now, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. If you were to ask them, is ChatGPT accurate? They would say a hundred percent true. And and frankly, I think that's um, the. Um, sentiment of most people, um, not just of the younger generation, but I think of a lot of people, it's yeah. an AI, it's intelligent, right? Right. So right. I think we need to get out the word, just like we did with the internet saying, hey, not everything you read on the internet is true. Right. We need to say right. the same thing about AI. Not everything you hear from an AI is true because the basis of its data is the internet. Yes, yes. The basis of the data is flawed and and biased in its own right, and also to your point, a couple years old. Um, I've learned a lot and changed my opinions on a lot of things in the last two years. So yeah, yeah. how, you know what I mean? So there's so many things that are out there that can do that. I think what this really forces, which is something that I've always tried to figure out how I can do it better, is to think critically. I really think that what this is gonna force is that becomes part of the curriculum for grade school and for college critical, and for high school. Thinking. And, and, and that we, you know, we work for some of the, we work with some of the brightest people on the planet at Intel. I mean, yeah, we do. scary, scary how smart they are. Um, but at the same time, we all have flat sides. We all are, you know, have our own bias and come into things from a different perspective. And I have found, as I'm sure you have too, that when we pull people together who come at it from that different perspective, we it end up with a up. much better, yeah. much, right, much better decisions. And that that criticality of asking those questions like, I know I was annoying when I was a kid because I would always ask why, but you need, you know what I mean? You I can see you to, as that kid, Gretchen. I totally I'm sorry. was. I, like, I, I would raise my hand in class all the time. The teacher would be like, shut her off. Um, but you know what I mean? So why, like, why, why are we thinking that that's the best way to do this? Or so-and-so based on work that you've done, have you thought about, is there a different way to do this? Or do we have all the data? Are there other places that we need to go to? So chat GPT, 
absolutely great place to get some info, but we also should be looking at other places. Again, like that, as I was talking about, creating those models where you use several different algorithms and then weight them based on what you're really trying to do. But it all starts from what's the problem? What are you trying to solve? Are you asking the right questions? And again, are you really thinking and coming at this critically? And I think it also brings us to the point where it's not a, you know, again, when I was in my math class, if I got the answer right, good. If I didn't, all right, you didn't get it right. But in our world today, nobody works by themselves. They can't. Yeah. With all of the information and all that we need to do, it has to be a blended, diverse team that, you know, different ages, different sizes, different sexualities, you name it, that you just have people. Yeah, who, different perspectives. That, that, yeah, that's the, yeah, it's, that's it's critical. Program. And 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 I think having those kinds of discussions and pulling in this different data will allow all of us to think more critically, because I think we have gotten lazy. Like you said, oh, chat GPT is 100 percent right. No, it's not. I mean, no, no I've, there's a lot of things. I've found errors. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I exactly. asked it, who wrote who wrote this book, uh, the Articler case uh, deployment? I wrote that book, and it didn't have me in there. It had some other person in there. I'm like, where did where did it get that from? And so it was fascinating. I'm like, oh, it was it was fundamentally wrong on a basic fact, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Right. I want to shift gears from trustworthiness. Sure. Into ethics. And I'm going to pose this because I heard it on the news this morning and I was like, wow. An AI generated um, song, which was a collaboration between Drake and Breck, I think is was the other artist, um, was released on, on, on Spotify, Amazon Music and all that. Got 15 million downloads and the artist were not involved in the collaboration at all. And AI did it. It was taken down immediately, but it was the most popular song for the month of wow. April in one yep. day. Um, and they were, they were talking on, on, uh, on the radio this morning when I was listening to it, they were talking about the ethics behind it and were people just downloading it because it was AI generated. So, my question oh, to you is yeah. how how do we control the ethics around AI and generating content? Mm. Um, and do we attribute that? I mean, what are the other ethical issues we have around um, AI generated um, content? Yeah, I, I think you bring up a really good point. And I think this is where, you know, for folks like you and I who work in the government space, this is really where the technology is way far advanced from the policy and and that we are going to have to think about some of those policy questions but i think it goes back to thinking about it critically i mean if if you highlight that the ai i mean i'm assuming somebody said hey take a drake song that sounds like x or a this artist song that sounds like y and mash it together and come up with a new you know okay but you're right that the responsibility is that you say, hey, that's what I did. Um, and then if there are certain things that you need to, you know, copyrights and all that, again, it's that the policy isn't set up for that yet. Um, but I think that 
the capabilities are there. And so I think that when you're building it, that you need to describe what that is. And if you can't describe it, I mean, to me, that just feels wrong that you shouldn't have it out there. But again, I'm, you know, but, but I'm, should, one, I'm should, one person. <laughs> yeah, but should we even allow um, technologists to produce technology like this? That's where the big question is, right? Because an, another example, um, and we're starting to see more of this. I just read an article, and it, it's actually in our in our weekly podcast on uh, embracing digital this week, which is a news podcast. There was um, a AI voice cloning is an issue, and um, bad people are using it to virtually kidnap children. It's a huge problem, I guess, and the FBI is all over this, where. They've captured a little bit of a of a of your child's voice. They then call you on the phone and and your kid is talking to you. Mom, I'm in danger. Someone has kidnapped me. And then the kidnapper gets on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think should it's, we even no. allow AI to go in this direction where because mm -hmm. as you said in the beginning, the genie is out of the bottle. So how do we pull it back in? I, I don't right. know. Well, you know, I think a great example of, you know, us thinking about that is our fake catcher product that we have. And, and so that's, and again, maybe we can create that same kind of thing that people have um, and they can just add it into their phone and it, and it becomes an app or a, a model card, so to speak. But in the case of um, the fake catcher, the idea is that you and I are human. We are not AI generated. And, you know, we have different color in our face and different ways that our heart is beating that is different than a fake video. And so what we have done is we have a tool that is over 92, I think 93% accurate, where you run this through the video and it will show you, hey, it's a fake. And I think that part of the technology now needs to create those things. Like we need to create modules and tools that can help AI in terms of, is it ethical or not? Are there questions that should be asked before something goes out? And as a designer of technology, you know, we need to be thinking through some of that and then have that um, almost that, chain of custody or that detail that then would say, here's what we went through. Here's how we did this. Here's the data set that we used. And that that almost has to be something that every time you release something like a next version of chat GPT, that that's attached to it with all of the so, details. So we know what actually went in, into exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. So, so Gretchen, this is really interesting because it sounds to me like this is an AI arms race. In, in some respects, right? Because you've mm -hmm. got count, you've got counter AI or fake detection to detect AI-generated right. content. Right. Right. Um, we, but like you said, the genie's out of the bottle. So there are bad actors out there that are going to use okay. AI for bad things, yep. just like they did with um, the internet. Yep. 
And no. just like they're, they're, they've done with crypto, and now they're yes. going to do with AI. So this is an education, a technology combatant, right? Going back yeah. and forth. But yeah. if we compare this a little bit to the nuclear arms race, it's a little bit different because there's some there's some fundamental knowledge you have to have and some uh, visible material that you have to have to build a nuclear weapon. Right, right. But to build an AI that, that can do some crazy, this is all out in the wild. It is. And, and I think we also need to think about how even things like Facebook and others have created people very dug in and not having real critical conversations on things. And that's, to me, that's the thing I worry about the most is that people will really believe this and, and therefore make some decisions based on it. Um, and the decisions could be, you know, detrimental and potentially, you know. So you're talking po politicians could be making decisions, right? In, in policy and laws and things like that. Right, right. Um, yeah, I based think they definitely off of... need to. And I think you and I and others need to be um, not only educating the current politicians, but working hard to get people who are a bit younger, <laughs> especially in the U.S., because, you know, I remember I think it was the Alaska Senator Ted Stephen talking about the Internet who said it was just a bunch of tubes. Oh, that was <laughs> that was also um, Al Gore, too. <laughs> but I was like, yeah. So, I mean, some of it is, you know, we we have to to deal with it from all fronts. And I think it's impossible to put a hold on on that. And I also so I, really believe most of the people who want to put holds on it, like you said, want to do it so that they can make more money. It, it, it you know, it, it came across that way, frankly. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I agree with what they're saying in general, which is we got to, we got to figure something out here because um, we have to educate people. We've got, there, there's a lot that has to be done in this space. And we have to understand the ethics around using a chat GPT. I can't imagine, yes. teachers must be pulling their hair out in colleges and in um, high schools because who needs to write a report now? <laughs> I mean, my kids have been playing around with it and they said, help me write a script for a new play where, the antagonist and the protagonist are these characters based off of superheroes in the early 1900s. And bam, it, it's like, holy cow. And so is it, well, is it who, who understands technology the best wins? It has been, you know, maybe, but you know, I'm going to go back to one of my favorite um, women in technology, which was Admiral Grace Hopper. And she, her, one of her quotes, which I really like, is no computer is ever going to ask a new reasonable question. It takes trained people to do that. And I think that we all need to think about that when we're using chat GPT, because some of it is, are we asking the questions in the right way so that it really is explainable? You know, and are we... Are we potentially with some of the things that we're using creating new security risks? You know, you and I are talking about a number of things that to me really are security risks. Yeah. And how do we how do we um, 
I won't say go backwards, but how do we start to look at, um, you know, those kinds of questions that a teacher needs to ask in terms of, okay, I assume you use ChatGPT. How much of it did you? What were the questions that you asked it? How did you formulate your outline? You know, some of those, ask it in a different, as a teacher, ask it in a different way. Make the assumption that they're probably using it, but how did you use it? What are the ways that you came to the paper that you have? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, to... I, yeah I, I get it. It's, uh, it's an interesting uh, dilemma for and, sure. And the truth is there's, we're at the beginning of all of this. And as I said, there's, there's no, I mean, I wish I had all the right answers, but I, you know, this is, this, it's a, right. it's yeah, a this process. It's, yeah. it's a journey and, and really there is no endpoint. There, there will be more things attached to a chat GPT. There will be more autonomous uh, manufacturing. There will be a lot more autopilot capability. I mean, there's just so much more that's going to happen. And I think that anybody who thinks they can stop it is. Is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or, or they, or they think they're more powerful than they really are. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which, hey, well, yeah. yeah, there you go. That that That's true, too. <laughs> so, hey, Gretchen, it's been great talking to you. you Obviously, we're going to have to talk to you again in six months for sure, because the, the landscape's changing so quickly. Oh, maybe absolutely. Even shorter than that. So, Absolutely. And thank you. I appreciate it. Again, I don't have all the answers, but I'm definitely willing to, you know, ask more people and try and, you know, improve my critical thinking. Cause that to me is really, that's the fun part. Yeah, no. And the fun. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Thanks again, Gretchen, for coming on. You're the show. welcome. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to embracing digital transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, Give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.